What's up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Bluff. This week is episode 50. The Zebo episode, baby. The Zebo episode. Yes. 50, we made it. It doesn't feel like we've done 50 of these. It's kind of crazy. So we, we're two more episodes from a full calendar year's worth of episodes. Yes, yes. that's true. Good math. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it is Does wild. it feel like we started this a year ago? No. Up in Kenny's attic? <laughs> on it was on uh, Streamyard first. And to be honest with you, it was Streamyard. But I the will say one. this: the 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 attic was pretty well done up. Oh yeah. To be fair, oh, I'm not. I'm not. Like don't on it. don't hate on Young Stubblefields. Never, never attic. would I ever. That attic. That attic has seen a lot of good things. Yeah. That attic got hot. I mean, you we remember how hot it used to get. Yeah, oh yes, for sure. Yeah, Gabe we, and you had the fan up there blowing during the episode. <laughs> Gabe uh, had to start wearing dark colors. Yes. Yeah, the sweat. Yeah, it doesn't look good on the camera. No. It adds weight to you. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Makes you look heavier. Y'all, whenever, y'all whenever, whenever, whenever you have like the under boob sweat, the titty sweat, yeah, it just, you look fat. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't get. No I don't, matter how skinny you are, you get that under boob sweat. No, I don't get under boob. Doesn't sweat. work, man. You get the pit stains. You look fatter yeah. than you are. <laughs> yeah, it's like this guy can't um, keep it together. I have to go really fat off the top of this episode, and I won't spend up too much time on it. But something that grinds my gears went on Uber Eats, and I did the pickup. For Chipotle, because I get Chipotle before I come into the studio. Sometimes, sometimes you get. Water, sometimes you get Whataburger. These after. damn Chipotle. F- yeah, that's true. <laughs> sometimes these Chipotle folks are the most disrespectful. They're so disrespectful. So I order a chicken burrito, double meat, right? Because like double meat, you know, everybody everybody wants a double because they give you that disrespectful little schmear of chicken. Right. You need, the, um, you need the full. And she has a bowl. When I show up and I go, ma'am, did you read the order? It says chicken burrito. So I give it back to her. And I, I something told me she was just going to bring me the most disrespectful burrito back to me. She brings this little damn thing out like this. But it's just like, what? I got double chicken, nothing in it. Just a disrespectful schmear of rice and beans. I'm, I'm pissed off. Yeah. Hopefully you can bring up my mood. And you, I paid eleven dollars for the most disrespectful Chipotle burrito you'll ever see. And you even took the time to go in and eat it, right? Yeah, and this is what really bothers me is I feel like sometimes these people that want to roll your burrito because they get nervous about rolling the burrito if there's too much in it. I feel like she just took my bowl and just scooped a little bit in there and just made it manageable for. That's herself. what I was gonna say. She probably took the bowl and just, just put it a little and just bit. Put it on a tortilla. No, but less than the because the bowl would be a lot. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It's more she was food. like one scoop, boom, roll it. Here, this guy. Go. But I'm a fat boy, so I like the tortilla. I like the burrito style. Yeah, you know that's why I don't really get the bowl. Yeah, and you and I share a lot of similarities on food anyway, because you either go big or you go home. Yeah, get that thick, thick one. Don't waste. If you're gonna, I, eat, I like my eat. burritos thick. Like let's let's get into this real quick since we're here, and I know the answer to this because I've seen it in live action. But like when you go out to eat, when you go out to a restaurant. You're going full bore. Yeah. Correct? Apps. Yeah. yeah. Apps for sure. Apps, no drinks, doubt. full course. Yes. Like, you can't. Yes. If you're going out to eat. Get get your money's worth because you're spending yeah. money. A hundred percent. So, yes, I agree with that. Get, I, I usually stop short of dessert unless it's like a nice occasion. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a dessert guy. I'm usually so miserable by the time yeah. the actual entree is done. You get like the loaded nachos, <laughs> extra <laughs> extra beef on top yeah, before you even get your meal. hundred percent. Knock it all down because you feel like you're wasting money. If you yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you go to a restaurant and don't order an appetizer, what's the point of going to an actual restaurant? Seriously. I mean, if you like the restaurant, you like the restaurant. But I, you know what, I'm I'm gonna agree with your sentiments because I don't go to like a sit down restaurant and not and not get, the get apps. an appetizer. I just think that's I, I think that is blasphemous. Yeah, I completely. Agree. Favorite restaurant in the city? Oh, good God! I mean, Jim, what, holy hell! That's um, a tough one. I mean, that is very tough. I mean, nice restaurant or regular restaurant? You have, bar. You have one restaurant to choose to eat for the rest of your life. Where you go? Oh, that's garbage. That because that's not a real. That's a real. That's thing. not a thing. It's not, it's not it a is. thing. Dude, I don't know. I could eat probably everything on the hog and how many menu. Oh. That's a good one. For real. That's fair. From appetizers. And you could sort, and you could like, yeah, because if you just, you know, you could get the brunch selection, lunch selection, yeah. then they sort of switch up. Yeah. Then they have seasonal, so it always switches up and up. But you can't just pick like a Huey's because it's the same thing. Right. For no, every would, meal. 
Hogan Hominy would be up there for me. You know what another one I really like is? And this is definitely kind of a little more difficult. You couldn't switch up as much. I am a massive Hop Dottie fan. Okay. Huge. Taylor, Taylor likes it. I love it. Okay. You I'm, like a, it? I'm, a bur- I'm a huge burger fan, so. Here's a hot take, too, on that. They're truffle fries. They're good for truffle fries, right? But I don't like truffles. I hate truffle flavor. I think it's so overrated. And I know it's I, like a delicacy, but I, I'd rather just give me some garlic fries. I love the truffle fries, and I think they have like a truffle ranch, too, that it comes uh, with. Maybe. See, I hate truffles. I man. like truffle, but you talk about indigestion, brother. I'll be taking <laughs> you that talk for like 12 hours. It is one of the top. That and taco seasoning is oh, the two worst indigestion That's why you don't use me. taco seasoning, No, I'm talking, I'm talking about like what you put on the meat. Don't use taco seasoning. What do you... Just do like... If you're eating Mexican, how do you not use taco seasoning? You could use like cayenne and use some chili powder and go that direction instead of using the taco seasoning. I mean, that's what I do when I make them personally. You have a bunch of white people taco nights at your house. Oh, yeah. That's the white folks who get the taco seasoning and just lather it all over. If I'm making them my own, I I can't use taco seasoning because I will pay for it. But most people use taco seasoning. And it... mm -mm. Me and it are not friends. Taylor and I agree that we don't use taco seasoning. We just try to do our own. Like, if we're going to do, like, a Mexican seasoning, we're going to do it. Just make it yourself. Yeah, I like ourselves. that. I like that a lot better. Yeah, taco seasoning is gnarly to me. They all It all tastes the same. Like, not true. Not true. Taco seasoning? Oh, yeah, all taco seasoning tastes the same. It's but, like, when you when you just do, like, you know, make a rub for, like, chicken or beef, whatever you're going to do, yeah. and try to make it, like, a Mexican-style rub, it's not going to taste just like taco Oh, absolutely seasoning. not. You can make it spicy as you want. You can make want. it spicy. You can make it a little more, yeah. like, lime, cilantro. T- yes. Yeah, you can do all... And I'd, I'd prefer that. you prefer that? Yeah, 100%. Not a spicy guy? Yeah. Well, I'm a spicy guy, but I like the, li- like, cilantro, lime, little cayenne, a little, little chili Mex. powder. You like a tex Yes, I guess so. Okay. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll go that. We'll, we'll say that's Tex-Mex. Even though taco seasoning. You think they use taco seasoning in Mexico? No, I was talking about like lime and cilantro. It has more of like a I mean, Tex Mex. I mean, but they like on a on an authentic like Mexican taco, they're gonna give you lime like onion, cilantro. onion, you're right. lime, and cilantro. You're right. You're right. I don't know why it's the first thing that popped in okay. my head. I don't control All this. Right. Okay, <laughs> I got you. I have no control <laughs> over this. I cannot be understood. Held responsible. Understood. Um, but, but drop the taco seasonings. All I'm saying. Agreed. Agreed. There we go. Especially if I'm coming around because I'm gonna pay for it. <laughs> um. But anyway, Gabe, let's get into it. Memphis coming off a loss against Tulane. Obviously a difficult loss. Going to Birmingham to face UAB for the Battle of the Bones. Battle of the 94-pound trophy. Yeah, it's huge. I, it was funny. I was talking to Jeff Calkins on the show last week, and we were just having like a, I guess, a spirited debate because Brad Carson was, you know, producing my show and he said he hates the battle of the bones trophy which i don't know like why you would pick to hate that trophy i think it's a fine trophy you know there's some bad trophy like the big 10 rivalry game yes. trophies are pretty bad at mm-hmm. times like the floyd of rosedale is just a pig yeah on top of it. it's like you're playing for whatever but the battle of the bones i think is pretty cool but i did remember going into the recruiting lounge and it was still in there and they hadn't we didn't we never played them in college because moved out of the conference the whole thing I remember picking it up and I estimated it at like sixty to sixty-five pounds. Ninety-four pound trophies too much. So basically, hollow out the bones. Basically, what I'm getting from that is you're huge. Yes, I thought <laughs> I was stronger back then. Yeah, it pro- I would probably feel all ninety-four pounds <laughs> now. Probably trying know to pick now. The damn thing up. But uh, game-wise, it felt like they had, a, especially defensively, like they came out with a hangover, like yes. a like an emotional hangover in that first half. Did they figure it the hell out? Absolutely. They yep. turned them over four times. Simeon Blair almost had the pick six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Feaster, one of the best plays I've seen defensively from anybody, any single player on that defense on that play. Little throw out to the flat. He bumps it up into the air. Great coverage, then catches it for pick six. That Cam was great. Smith had a really good interception, too. Right, but they had four turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over once. And then I think they followed up one of their worst halves of football this season as a team with their best half of football of the season as a team, 24-0 in the second half, convincing win. And what what strikes me, uh, because I talked about it last week, all last week, this is the first win for Ryan Silverfield in conference on the road against anybody not named Navy. And I think that, weirdly enough, that is pretty 
that's a that's a good thing. It's staggering that it took this long, but it's a good thing to finally beat somebody not named Navy on the road in conference. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's sake. much better than the Thank alternative. God, man. Much better than the alternative. And honestly, like watching the first half, I was sitting there thinking this is a game that Memphis is going to lose. Yeah, I really was. I was. I was. Well, watching. three plays. It took three plays, seventy-five yards. First play from scrimmage, forty-yard run, then an incompletion or like a no gain, yeah. and then they bomb it over thirty-two yards into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, but, was, but I mean, all through the first half, I was just like, Memphis is going to turn the ball over at some point, and yeah. they can't get off the field defensively. I was like, this just does not look good at all. I don't know if we credit that to, you know, a hangover, like you said, coming off the two-lane loss, and we credit it to the travel in the 11 o'clock game. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what happened because, as you mentioned, they they did clean it up, and they played a much, much better second half that they had to play. You did not want to come out of Birmingham with an ugly Hell win. Hell no. And it was on that They path. handled it. It looked, handled it looked it. like, okay, if Memphis is going to win this game, it's going to be ugly, <laughs> it's going to be high-scoring. And they're just going to have to make more plays than UAB. Unfortunately, um, they stepped it up in the second half. I, we've, I, I've had an attack against excuses the last two weeks. Last week, we were talking about the excuses made for Seth Hennigan and the turnovers. Yep. And, you know, blame it on the OC, blame it on no running game. It ultimately falls on Seth. I wanted to eliminate those excuses. I've also seen the excuse about that first half of defense being blamed on the fact that Jacob Zeno didn't start, and then you had, like, a rotation Backup of three quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah. To hell with that. They're worse. They're worse. They're, <laughs> They're backups worse. for a reason. Yeah. And it's not like they had some crazy style that would throw you off. I remember in college, we uh, we had Greg Ward as a starter at Houston, mm -hmm. and then the backup came in, Kyle Postman, and he threw from the pocket a, whole, like, a lot. That's a switch right. that could throw you off based on what you've been doing in film and your scheme. Yeah. But none of those guys, like, pose some great running threat by any stretch of the imagination. They're just worse pocket quarterbacks than Jacob Zeno. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I I get tired of excuses like that. Oh, grant them bail because the, the backups played. No, no it stop should, that. It, it shouldn't throw you off like they that. They shouldn't allow 21 points in the first <laughs> yes. half. Yes. They shouldn't let those guys cook them. No. It's, 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 it seems pretty simple to me. And Jacob Zeno... Turns the ball over a fair amount, but this is a dude who completes seventy five percent of his passes. He's been trusted there for a while. I think it's his third year starting. Yeah, if not fourth year, he's been there a while. Like that's the guy. I feel like if he was playing, it probably would have been worse in the first half. Oh yeah, for sure. They actually would have had someone who knew what they were doing back there. Yeah. Um, concerning to me was the running game though. Uh, they, the, they they just couldn't stop rush defense. Yeah. UAB running the ball at all. In the first half. I don't know what that was, man. Made no sense. No sense. But fortunately, on the flip side of that, Memphis was able to get their running game back. Blake Watson adds a completely different dynamic to this team. Yeah. I know Brandon Thomas scored two short yardage touch two short yardage touchdowns, but Blake Watson's so good, man. Yeah, I uh I was curious if he was gonna play. Yeah. Quite frankly, after, after getting last injured. week, he only had, what, four carries, mm -hmm. and he got injured. I didn't know if he was going to go, but we learned before the game he was going to go. He is just – he is a game-breaker, and he is the guy, finally, where Ryan over the years has always talked about wanting that that guy who you can hand the ball off to 15 to 25 times a game. He finally has that with Watson, and you can trust it consistently. Brandon Thomas had a moment – at the beginning of Ryan's era yeah, where he looked like that guy, but then we know that there were some concussion issues. There were some uh, fumbling issues. Some couldn't really rely on issues. Blake Watson has not, has not had those, no. has not had those issues. And even behind an O-line that I don't think is great. Now I do want to bring this up about the O-line and I want your opinion as well. It's not perfect. No. You always, we absolutely want better. No questions asked, more talent, Better working together, more run schemes available to you. Um, but they have been substantially improved. Yes. Like, I think we need to give some credit where credit's due. They have not been perfect. And they, against really good fronts, like against Tulane, mm -hmm. they will still have their struggles. But I can't look at a year ago versus today and act like that's the exact same group running out there every week. They work better together, and they have been doing a better job i mean i think the biggest thing is they actually not in every game but in the majority of games this season they've gotten a push and created holes up front yeah 
which is something that they just didn't do the last several years. I mean, running backs were getting met at the line of scrimmage behind the back fit or uh, behind the line of scrimmage. And this year, uh, other than what the two games they lost, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, other than Atlanta, Missouri, Atlanta, Missouri, other than that, they've ran the ball at least effectively pretty well in the majority of games. Um, and even in even in the two lane game, it's it's hard to fully break that down because they didn't have their best running back. Yep, and they kind of abandoned the running game for the majority of that game. Yeah, because they kind of had to. Yeah. So yes, I agree with you. It's not perfect. And, and also, I think they've kept Seth relatively upright. Only one sack in that UAB game. Every yeah. game they've won, they've taken care of him. Yeah. No, it is a, it is a much improved product. I think it's still... It's very imperfect. I'm not trying to, like, give them... Uh, I'm not trying to say they're a Joe Moore award winner. Yeah, no, no, okay? de- definitely not. But I, I, I think I think credit where credit's due, they've For been sure. improved. For sure. But I still don't think it's anything near the level of what Ryan Silverfield wants them to be. Or before he became the head coach. Oh, yes. Yeah, right? No, when he was not. in that O-line room. They were in those they were Joe on, Moore yes. award conversations. Right? So, like, you want you you hired Ryan thinking that that was not going to change. And it has changed, but they have gotten improved. better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Gabe, now we go from UAB to North Texas. The season <laughs> continues to get extremely exciting with these opponents. <laughs> you're, oh. you're an asshole. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> respectfully, you're an asshole. Yeah, I mean, but I get it. I get it. You gotta, you gotta go to DATCU <laughs> Stadium, Old Denton, Texas, baby. In Denton, Texas. Yeah, isn't I'm that sure. the home of Dickey's Arena, Mike Oresco's favorite place? No, that's Fort, Fort Worth. Worth. That's Fort Worth. Sorry. Yeah. Home sorry. of Seth I'm Hennigan. Wrong. It's the home of Seth Hennigan. Is yeah, Denton is. close to there? Or am I tripping? Uh, I don't know my Texas geography. Denton, Denton is on the outskirts of Dallas. It's like the suburbs of Dallas. And Fort Worth is like 40 minutes away from Dallas. Okay, close enough. So close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Denton is the home of, of Seth Hennigan. Yeah. Ryan High School. Yeah. Um, seven and a half point favorites. <laughs> what? What? Is that exciting to you guys? No, it's not exciting. I get it. I mean, that could at least be like. Just, but I, this is where we're at in the 14 schedule. 14 and a half point In favorites. the schedule, it's like line them up, knock them down. Come yeah, on. I Until mean, you yeah. get to SMU, line them up and knock them down. And what, what really strikes me about every game outside of SMU, every, every game outside of SMU, it is a terrible opponent, quite frankly. North Texas is the best of the bunch. Let me give you an but interesting. But Temple, Charlotte, and USF. Let me give you an interesting question. <clears throat> Outside of the South Florida and SMU game. I mean, uh, yeah. Those are two yeah, home yeah, games. South, yeah, two home games. Three-way games. How many eyes are going to be on the University of Memphis over those three games? <laughs> In person. <laughs> not many. I don't know. Just give me a guess. I'm not sure. If they keep lining up and knock them, knocking them down. No, I'm talking about in, in, sta- in the stadium. Oh, in the away stadiums? Yeah. Oh, you're saying leave out USF? Yeah, because they're oh, home. nobody. I mean... Tops, tops, twelve to fifteen thousand. <laughs> oh, that is so like tops. Did y'all see the crowd? Did y'all the see? UAP was miserable. They, yeah. they said they had twenty-two thousand people there, and I called bull, oh, bull shit. Yes, no chance, no. man. That stadium looks okay though. And they have a new stadium, and they still they don't have a good product. But no, you'd think in Birmingham, hey, show up to the game. I know Tuscaloosa's not far. So yeah. maybe maybe that's where everybody went. Everybody went to Alabama. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, to go watch Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee. So you got to play North Texas. Yep. DATCU. <laughs> Christian's face right he now. He must have. You know what's great. funny about this, Kenny? He must have looked up that it was DATCU before you the show. You looked at me. You watched me <laughs> look it up. We talked about it. His face right now. And is, then and then they play Charlotte at. Charlotte, I, Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte State. CTC. Couldn't tell you. Wait, did, they don't play it. Please tell me they don't play in the Panthers. They place. probably do. That's what I was thinking. Please tell me for the love of everything holy. I would say, <laughs> Please they, don't I would tell say me. they probably do. Oh, God. Charlotte Football Stadium. Don't do this to me. Oh, God. They play in Bank of America. Yeah. Oh, God. They, so Memphis will be playing in uh, two NFL stadiums <laughs> that <laughs> okay. look like, that will look like, how do I how do I describe I'm this? Gonna, what will Bank of America and Lincoln Financial look like? <laughs> it will look like Okay, so the Eagles played on Sunday night football against the Dolphins. 
Lincoln Financial, when Memphis plays Temple, <laughs> will look like Sunday night football did for Eagles Dolphins at approximately 2.30 <laughs> Monday morning. <laughs> so zero people in the stadium besides the workers. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I think and that's fair. And Bank of America <laughs> will look like a normal so, Panthers game so let's divided by Let me 10. go ahead and create a problem then yeah. it, it, with, with all this conversation. Bring your own energy. <laughs> Don't get to not get caught up in an emotional low. No. Because that's when those type of teams sneak up on you and bother you. Yeah. Yeah, when you're when you can literally hear like the construction workers working on the skyscrapers next door. Yeah, you hear dope. the guy selling beer, calling right. out. Yeah, yeah. somebody yeah. flushes a toilet in the press box, and you can hear it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. So yes, I agree with you. They're gonna have to bring their own emotion. But again, like these teams outside of SMU are bad, so, and I think North Texas is no good. I think North Texas is about the same team as UAB. I think they're worse, but... Maybe yeah. better defensively, because I don't think you can get much worse than UAB's defense. Abilene Christian scored 31 on North Texas. Well, I guess I guess the argument you would make is that UAB's had a tougher strength of schedule, and that's why their record's as bad as it is, 2-6. and six. Yeah, I mean... I mean, they've lost... Their worst loss is probably to... North, Georgia Southern? North, North Texas. Or Louisiana. Lost to FIU. Yeah. And Navy. Yeah. So North Texas is no good. They're no good. But I'll say this. They have a quarterback who can air it out and just aired it out a bunch against Tulane, Tulane and they yeah. looked feisty, to say the least. Like, they look like they can – I mean, if the Tigers' de uh, back end, their defensive backs are giving up big plays, North Texas will get big plays on you. Where's Austin Arnie at? Uh, I thought he got in the transfer portal before the year so. at age – 35. This was supposed to be the Grant Gannell matchup. This was, happen. yeah. It's supposed to be big beef. Mm -hmm. Supposed to have some some beef back and forth. That didn't happen. Neither did Austin Oni. Yeah, but I, man, like I said, line them up, knock them down, just figure it out as we go along. And I think that's the mindset you need to have. Because until you get to that SMU game, you really shouldn't have some crazy test. But you can't look ahead. Shouldn't even have a close game. You 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 you, you just can't look ahead. Um, Did your but, confidence level rise last week? Y'all said the Tigers needed a win out to kind of achieve what they wanted to achieve. Go to the AAC championship game. This that rematch against Tulane, hopefully in New Orleans. Has your uh, y'all didn't sound very confident last week? Did still, this UAB still, game still not? I'm still not overly confident because, again, you mentioned how many people are going to be in the stands. You could have some emotional lows. They're, they, like these teams, like I said about North Texas, and I think UAB fit in this category as well, like they're not dead yeah. offensively. Like North Texas, that quarterback, Chandler Rogers, can yeah. sling it. I mean, they hung 28 on Tulane. And he, and he threw for 340 and, and no a couple picks. touchdowns, no picks. Don't have much of a run game. I don't know how much better their defense is going to be than, uh, than uh, UAB's, but it's better – as far as the metrics are concerned, not good. So I don't know. I like I, I I have some confidence that they can win every game outside of SMU. But running the table, I just still think I I have to see it, man. Yeah, I'm putting I my money on them it. losing at least. one I mean, more. in the end of the day, Kenny, if you just break it down, they just won their first game on the road in conference outside of Navy, right? In the Ryan in Silverfield years. era, Whew. yeah. Like that, I don't know. Until they keep doing it and do it consistently. I'm not sold. You can't be sold. They're 3-10 and 10 on the road in conference play, and the majority of their Ooh, games left are on the that road. That gave me the chills, literally. But, they, but they're 3-10 the, the in the Ryan air. Silverfield era on the road in conference. Like, until they string some wins together and change that outlook, I mean, I don't know why you would have a bunch of confidence. Hey. I will say, though, what they did to UAB in the second half gives me a little bit more confidence that they're not just going to... Oh, Let yeah. teams play with them consistently if they feel as if they are the superior product. If it would have been a close game, I would have said there's no way in hell that yes. they're winning out. No they, way. They no covered. Shot. They looked good they, in the yeah. second half. They covered by Defense three. Defense showed up. Covered by three scores. Like, I wonder what Ryan said in the half at halftime to his defense. That's my question. I wonder if he climbed in there. Could you have know been what. nice. Yeah. Could have they, been they, nice. they played uh, bad. What's the, what, what, in the second half, what's the word that we use? Inspired. They played inspired <laughs> football in the second half. I don't know what inspired them. Something. But they played inspired. Something. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got on Memphis football. Let's a little bit, a little slightly bit. 
go over this. University of Memphis basketball is how far away from starting, Kenny? Uh, six days. Six? Six days. Preseason days. exhibition game. Is it Lane first? Lane first, then LeMoyne. So here we go. We're close. Yeah, we are. Really close. Very People close. are very excited for this year. That should be. I think this is the best team that Penny Hardaway's had. We've been pretty outspoken about our stance on where we feel like this team is. I don't think the national folks no, have no, really they're not hopped on board. On board they're yet. definitely not on board. I think if DeAndre Williams was part of this team, though, you Maybe. would have seen a different – I think you would have seen a shift. Maybe. That's where you would have seen the AP voters find, okay, well, they have a guy that understands Penny, a little right. more we'll continuity. Sneak him in, top 25. Double-double type guy. We'll sneak him in. But I, I, the national media hasn't really come around on this team, but I think they have more than enough to be truthfully the best team in conference. Yes. So, and I know, like, it's just strange to me, I guess, and I know we're probably a couple of weeks late on the AP poll conversation, but FAU at 10 and Memphis unranked is yeah. just, the, 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 the gap is not that wide. It's not. I mean, you're going to have to have a really good player coming off of the bench for the Tigers. A double-digit scorer. really good players. But I'm saying like a Jaquan Walton or a David Jones, yeah. one of those, like somebody's going to come off the bench for this team. Yeah. That's how much talent they have top to bottom. So I just find it very strange. And I guess the continuity conversation continues to bite them on the national scale. Oh, well, they don't have guys. They don't have holdovers. And FAU's getting <laughs> lifted up because of their entire roster returning. But I just feel like in this day and age of college basketball, you shouldn't give a damn about that. You really shouldn't. I thought you said bite him. Yeah, I thought you were about to say bite him in the nads, but you said <laughs> national media. Yeah. I was like locked in on you saying bite him in the nads right there. I thought that was 100% that's, coming. That's, that's not what come out. And what I, came out. I had, to, I had to try to it's rein not, it in a little bit. It's not what came out. <laughs> I know he's a local guy, but he's also on CBSSports.com. But Gary Parrish was on Anthony Sane's show last week, and he talked about um, the, the Tigers – roster and how the majority of national media is seeing that um, the Tigers haven't brought in any big five-star recruits. And I'm like, that is, that's, is that the, is that the standard? Well, well, hold up though. Right. Real quick, real quick. That even in itself is false. Right. Javon Quinterly and Jordan Brown were five-star recruits right. out of high school and they've been in college for four years. Right. And they've done well and in been college. productive. Yeah. So, like, I even that doesn't hit home with me. They have more than enough talent, top to bottom. Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, David Jones, or Jaquan Walton, whatever you want it to be, Nick Jordan, freaking Jordan. Like, it's just, it's they're eight guys deep of productive starters at this level, proven productive starters at this level. Yeah. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Did you see the news yesterday that popped about um, FAU? Nope. FAU had a secret scrimmage yesterday. And? Against North Carolina. Doesn't sound very secret okay. anymore. And it was announced through sources that they lost by 20 <laughs> to North Carolina. <laughs> the thing about FAU that, that strikes me is that kind of, I mean, respectfully to them, and they did a hell of a job, and they only lost, what, three games during the regular season? Yep. That run in the NCAA tournament? I don't want to say it's like fluky fluky, but you had Fairleigh Dickinson in the second round and you had Tennessee in the sweet 16. It was always lined up. And Tennessee always loses at that point in the tournament. Right. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's fluky. They did what they needed to do, but I feel like that run and I get it's to a final four. They were one of the final four teams standing, but that run is getting way overhyped. For sure. Way overhyped. I mean, it has to be respected. Yes. And I like John L. Davis and Elijah Martin dudes, right? They're yeah. dudes. But, man, like, are you telling me they're just going to recreate a Final Four run this year? No. Nope. Running out there, you still need good matchups like they got last year. You still need a timeout not to get called against <laughs> Memphis. So, I mean, I, I just, it's, it, it, it pains me yeah. to see I think it's a little bit of ignorance. or it, And maybe there's that thought out there still about Penny and expectations going into the year not meeting the reality. Right. Maybe he's still getting docked for that. But I don't think we're in that era anymore. Yeah. I think he's changed his tune and his thought process. But I am curious to see what they look like, like even in those exhibition games because the biggest thing we're going to have to look for 
going into the year is you have that out of conference schedule that's beefed up with a lot of top 25 right. opponents. You're going to have to come into the season clicking. Yeah. yeah. There's no room for error because your resume is going to be built on everything basically before when does when does conference schedule start? January. Everything before January is where your resume is built. That November to December schedule, that brutal. gauntlet is brutal. It's brutal. Yep. It's really brutal. If they can come out of that clean, oh man. And clean by clean I mean two oh, losses. Like the, the, three the losses. Amount, like if they came out clean and only lost like one or two games, their seed line goes up exponentially. Without a doubt. And they don't have to worry about those quality wins anymore. So that November, in. you said November, December. So you have at Mizzou, then you'll have Battle for Atlantis. You start with Michigan and have the chance to play Arkansas, Stanford, North Carolina, Texas Tech, Villanova, Northern Iowa, which you probably won't play Northern Iowa if you if you get that far into the right. tournament and win. Then you have at Ole Miss, they'll be improved. VCU... I mean, decent, tough, mid-major, Defen yeah, defensive. But team. you'll be there. We'll see what that looks like in the quad yep. system. A and M, Virginia, Vandy, and Clemson. I guess we'll yep. see what Clemson is. But like, yes, it's tough. November and December is brutal. And if they can, if they can get out of that, maybe two, three losses. I think I even think that that seed line the, will yeah, get I agree. boosted. I agree. Um, okay, we got anything else? Feeling good on that, um, good. Gabe. You uh, you said something about expectations yes. meeting reality yeah. for Penny Hardaway and this yes. team, and sure do. the skepticism to that. But I will tell you, hmm. I know someone. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you know? Where the expectations and reality converge perfectly. Yeah, he's behind With that, that wall. wall. <laughs> His name, Kenny Stubblefield. We'll see on the other side of this break what he has cooked up for us in the hot three. Journalism is only as as only as important as its demand. No one was asking for that story yesterday. This is what bothers me about people who call themselves journalists or most media members. They want to be the most important person in the room. They think they're bigger than the shit they write about. When I go to these games, man, and, and when I go into their locker room, there's about five, six, seven, eight millionaires in the locker room at one time. Don't none of them write for a paper. I see these guys treat the richest people in the room like they're the least important people in the room. This isn't journalistic integrity or a beautifully written article or this uh, super intelligent recap of, of of 18 months in detailed order and sequency and showing you the life of John Morant the last 18 years in a crop. This isn't any of that. Y'all know what this is? This reads like they were looking for something that they couldn't find. This looks like he. This is like they came to Memphis looking for something, looking for some more dirt, looking for something to tear down John Morant, looking for something to make him look bad, to, to be the, 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 the finishing blow for John Morant, and they could not find it. So they gave us their con consolation bullshit. And now half of Memphis media is, is co-signing it. Oh, this is great. We needed this. No, we didn't. It's bullshit. And I love my city because they protected one of their sons over the last few weeks. Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. If I Unholy hear reason. one more time, post-game from anybody, staff, player, fan, they ran something defensively we hadn't seen on film. I'm going to lose my mind. If you and I were head coaches for two different teams, do you think you would change up just a little bit what you do? Oh, yeah. Every game? Yeah. Yeah. I really hope our defense is doing that. I hope our offense is doing that. Uh, like I got legitimately, when, he, when I heard that, I was like, I misunderstood the statement. Or he misunderstood the question. Because there's no way in hell you want me to believe that you were like, uh, they just didn't run the same thing there's, that we've seen on film the past six weeks. Yeah, I don't, I mean. There's no way. It's like taking a test and test and expecting all the answers to be given to you beforehand. Like, I mean. The questions were different than the practice test. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. 
Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. Discover a world of possibilities at Streetcars of Memphis. Revamp your ride with the ultimate auto transformation. From booming audio systems to eye-catching wheels, powerful lift kits to sleek drop kits, cutting-edge LED lights and light bars, we've got it all. Unleash your style with confidence. Feel the next level of auto care at Streetcars of Memphis. Your dream ride is just a visit away. Visit us online at www.901scm.com and let the transformation begin. Boys, we are live. You feeling this, Gabe? Oh, when it drops, it's nice. At the DTCOCQRS Stadium, we're live. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is On the Bluff going to go live in uh, nope. North Texas this week? DATCU Stadium. The DTACU. DATCU. Nope. No. Which is, uh, why, do, why do the Texas, like the second tier, third tier Texas football stadiums do that? Because TDECU is uh, Houston. 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 I don't know. I'm yeah. yawning on the show. Oh, are you good? Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> my my eyes are going to turn red. Automatically, everybody that was watching this yawned. just yeah. yawned as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, this is the Hot 3 sponsored by Streetcars of Memphis. It was cold last week. Now it's hot again. <laughs> so if you need to get your car ready for the summer, <laughs> Streetcars of Memphis can do that for you. They can also pimp your ride. No catamarans, nothing like that. I did find out they last can make week. that car hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I found out last week. I promised they could do some stuff with catamarans, the ones that you were all around on Saint Lucia. Saint Lucia, they they can't. Yeah, oh, I didn't, no, I didn't think yeah. so. They they came. They back told you no, we can't do. That. I think did no. somebody bring a catamaran up they there. They did. Somebody brought a catamaran <laughs> up there, and they said, "Bro, what, what are you doing?" And he uh, said, "Well, on the bluff, said yeah, they could." This buffoon from on the bluff <laughs> said we could bring this up here. And Listen, put flames on the side of it. <laughs> They can pimp your ride out, man. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Streetcars in Memphis. Memphis owned. Uh, owners are from Memphis, man. They are in this city. They're great people. Thank you guys so much for supporting On the Bluff and the Hot 3. Um, the link is in the description below. Check it out. Um, Streetcars of Memphis. S-T-O-C-901.com. Boom. Boom. You guys ready? Yes. Let's do it, man. Some big news dropped um, on Sunday. Terrible. Um, some bad. Some bad. Three days for the season for the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. I know where this is. Going. It was like it was like I'm enjoying my Sunday, getting ready for some football, yep. and then boom, Stephen Adams out for the year. I, listen, <laughs> damn. Listen, I got two things I want to discuss on this, and I need y'all's input because I got my theories. All right. Number one, I want you to discuss how the Grizzlies and Stephen Adams handled this entire drama. I get it from last year yep. to now, and. I want your input, man. Should the Grizzlies make some moves to shore up that position, or what should the Grizzlies be doing? All right. On how it was handled, let's start there. Poorly. Um, not great. Um, <laughs> but I'll say this. like For the people that are going after the Grizzlies for not being transparent, um, I guess I get it, but no one ever said the Grizzlies had to be fully transparent about their five and their, his knee and what was going to go on. Right. Now Taylor Jenkins has cleared it up in the press, and he said even if he got uh, – surgery in the spring he still would have been out for the year so it sounds like they were trying to do everything they possibly could to not have the surgery so he could play the entirety of this season 
didn't work out that way. Three days before the season, you get a drop. And it's frustrating as hell. Right. Especially I, because he played in the preseason. And, and know what bothers me is, like, most of the Grizzlies, like, Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins and guys like that were basically saying, oh, he's good to go. Right. And then he plays for, what, 11 minutes, yeah. and he was dunking. He was running up and down the floor. You're like, oh, I don't even have to worry about this anymore. He's going to play. Then. Boom. Then there it goes. He's now, done. if you did read the tea leaves, Kitty pointed this out to me before the show. Was it Steven Adams himself that said it would be kind of weird if I played five on fives right now? He like said, he said he it said would the be word irresponsible. Irresponsible. Which means, which meant like to tell what I, what I took from that was he has not throughout this entire year off season. The, the after, after the Grizzlies had told us six to eight weeks of, you know, time off, he'll be back. Didn't come back during that entire time frame. Yeah, and played a single minute of we, five we, on five. We should have thought about that more instead of what the Grizzlies front office was telling right. us and then him getting on the floor. We shouldn't have just let that one go because of Steven Adams coming from the guy who has to deal with that unstable knee and the PCL and everything else. We should have listened to him a little bit more in that moment. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go to I the- know people did, but then everybody's sort of uh, everybody's fears were relaxed once you saw him play. Yeah. And I'll go to the second part of the question. Should the Grizzlies make moves to shore up that area? Absolutely, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw what it looked like last year in the playoffs against the Lakers. It's not the only reason, but in my opinion, the biggest reason why they weren't able to win or be more competitive in that series. So now going the whole year without without it. <laughs> TJ Willis just walked in. We have the same shirt. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, th- thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. Um. So for them to go into the season without that lack of size or imp- or with yeah with that like I mean it's just it wouldn't I don't think I don't think they can I think they and have to do something it's it's kind of insane how much Stephen Adams really does provide and yeah. you started to see it once he got hurt last year and I think Xavier Tillman is a good player I, you need better though from the five and you mm-hmm. need taller and bigger and more physical especially from in the, the five right in the playoffs I agree wholeheartedly now Xavier Tillman I think will fill in fine but again like if you want to be a championship level team you got to make a move but oh gosh this is where I I kind of run into an issue Steven Adams is the best at doing what Steven Adams does in the NBA. The dirty work, the offensive rebounds, he always leads the league, the, you know, the second chance opportunities. I think he's really good too, passing out of the high post and yeah. passing out of the low post. I don't know if there's an easy or perfect solution out there right this second. Like I've heard the names like Dwayne Dedman is brought up. That's not replacing Steven Adams no. and getting you to the championship contention window that you were thought you were. I don't even be know in. if I'd want that over Xavier Tillman. I, I think, it, but like right now, I guess the point I'm getting at is in the meantime, I think they're going to sit on their hands. They're going to wait the first 25 and then see what they can do. Mm-hmm. I think this is a low level, non-exciting free agent they bring in for the meantime. But I personally, I don't view this as this season. I view this as long-term problem yes. where the front office is going to have to find a solution. Even if Steven Adams comes back. That's a 31-year-old right. on a surgically repaired knee and he's seven foot nearly 300 pounds right it's just hard to uh, project him being the exact same player when he comes back and he'd probably even if he was going to be the same player there's gonna have to be a ramp up period Mm -hmm. and he's gonna have to get back to that so i view this as a longer term problem that i think a lot of other people do i think they're gonna have to find a long-term solution not a short-term solution yeah go ahead christian no you're good i have two questions for you about just kind of this subject in general um, going back to the way that the franchise and Steven Adams handled it. I want y'all to clear this up for fans that are saying you should have just made him get the surgery. He was okay. I, I'll, should I clear that up right clear now? Clear that up. The, the, the reports are a lot out there about Steven Adams wanting to take the holistic approach, mm-hmm. like not do the surgery. They didn't want to pull out the scalpel and get the knife out and put him under it. He wanted to make sure and see if he could do, find a non-surgical route out there, you know. And I think the front office and the – I think that the Grizzlies always thought that this was probably the best course of action. But in some situations with agents and representation and players, you can't always make them take the approach that you think that they should take with their injuries. Right. And I think that there was somewhat of a 
a back and forth there. Um, then they just tried to agree, okay, we'll do the non-surgical thing and see if you can play for a year, but eventually you're probably going to have to get that surgery. They, I think they waited too late, but this was Steven Adams and his representation saying, I don't want to get surgery. Yeah. But in the end of the day, it was the only way to solve the issue. Right. All right, so to go back to filling that role, there's been a lot of people that have said, go get Robert Williams, go get um, James Wiseman, go get <laughs> James all, these, Wiseman. all these different yeah. guys. These guys that are like legitimate NBA on the NBA rosters right now, guys that can play. Do you guys think that the Grizzlies should move in that direction with and, and if if you can find a good option, sure. Yeah. But like yeah. the Robert Williams one in particular, Kenny kind of gets me. It stresses me out because if you're giving up a first round pick and a player for a guy like Robert Williams, right. who has he's had 410 chances to play in the regular season, and I know this off the top of my head because I said it on the show today, 410 opportunities in the regular season. He's played in 209. He's missed 201. So you're hopping right back into a relationship with a good big who I think would be a good fit on this team, but he's got knee issues that keep him out constantly. Right. So you're hopping right back into a relationship like that, except you're giving up pieces to go get it. Yeah. And I just I don't know if that's the best way forward. If Robert Williams, in theory, if he could play, hell, 65 games a year. Then right, it's perfect. It would be great, but you don't know if he's going to do that. He's never done that. Right, and then like you're uh, like you're kind of alluding at here, if you do that and he does get injured, and then you're missing him for the playoffs anyway, and you give up Brandon Clark and a first right. round pick on the way, it's like damn. So we gave up pieces to be right in the same spot right. with net, the same predicament. You're net negative. Yes, big time net negative at that point. I think literally like. <laughs> Isaiah Hartenstein yeah. for the Knicks. Yeah. Dwayne Dedman from a free, like, I don't even know where he's at right now. He's been with the Heat for a long time. Um, you know, I, Clint Capella, I guess, could be a really cool option, but he gets paid a lot, and you'd have to give up a lot in salary matching to go make that happen. Would you? Like, Although he's reliable. Came, he'll, yeah, he'll be on yeah. the floor for you. What if they came back and said, what if Atlanta came back and said, okay, we'll give you Clint. Well, you, you can yeah. have Clint. But you need to give us a first round and Zaire. That's a little test. Like, I, I don't think Zaire should be a stopping point, but based on what you need Zaire to do for you going into the future and what you're planning on him doing right. for you, it may be a little bit too much, weirdly enough. Yeah. I don't think Zaire's the guy you want him to be right now, but you've planned on him to be that guy at right. some point, to be your jumbo wing, to be your three long term. Mm -hmm. And they're giving him that rope right now. He'll probably be the fifth starter when we get to uh, – the first game against the Pelicans. So, like, it's just you're you're in a no-win situation. Bad, yeah, it's just a bad There's situation. no perfect or obvious solution, and this is where I want to go with this. This front office has gotten praised a lot since they took over. Yes. And for good reason. 50 wins, two years in a row, second place in the West, two years in a row. A little bit of play, won a playoff series, right? Like, did all that. This is the moment that's going to make or break their tenure here in Memphis, let's be honest. Zach Kleiman and everybody else. Yeah. This is the moment. What can you do within your power to right the ills of Steven Adams being out for a year and, and maybe not being the same player when he comes back? You have, like, this is going to be a tough one. This is, you have to earn your money now. You have yep. to earn your money. That's, as, that's as, as real as I can put it. Last question about this topic. Um, a lot of sports, a lot of national media has come out even today and said and kind of written the obituary for the Memphis Grizzlies championship window. Right. He said Steven Adams injury is indicative of the fact that as quickly as windows open, they close. I don't think they're wrong. I was going to say, I don't day. think that the Grizzlies windows close though. I think they still have three guys under 25 that are ballers, sure. all stars that they have locked for sure. up. Um, but no, I think they're, I think they're, I've always said that. People want to talk about a window being open because you have young players. Well, did you know John Morant was going to get suspended? Did right. you know Brandon Clark was going to tear his Achilles? Did you know Steven Adams was going to be out for a, a year, or the better part of two years? No, like windows are good in theory, but real life hits. Yeah. Injury hits. Right. Guys regress. You make picks. 
like Zaire Williams who flop in their sophomore year. Like you just have to work through things and windows are never what you actually think they are. No, they're ever changing. Yes, but I don't think that like, no, I don't think you should write the obituary on the John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. Grizzlies. Yeah, no. I think that's but it's crazy. Not, but it's not looking as good as it did it's this time last year. It's not looking as good as it, as it did, but again, they can control what they do from here and make good moves, whether it's within the margins or a big time name. Yeah. If you get a Clint Capella, if you get a Robert Williams and you feel confident confident in it they have the chance to open that window back up you're not that far off yeah still but you <laughs> you have to make a move to try to replace a, a steven adams in the meantime and long term yeah all, all right, right kenny second topic let's go you we talked about ufc 294 last week um kind of previewing it Happened this weekend. Um, obviously, the co-main and the main events were the things that we were talking about the most. Kamaru Usman fought um, Kamzat Chemaev in the co-main event. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky fought Islam Makachev in the main event. Um, Makachev knocked out Volkanovsky in the first round. <laughs> and uh, Kamzat outlasted Kamaru in the co-main event. What are y'all's thoughts on those two fights? Both the guys I wanted to win lost. That's my first Yeah, me away. too. 100% um, me yeah. too. It was uh, honestly... This was a, a pretty boring card. It was. It wasn't. A, it it wasn't. didn't live up to what it looked like it was no, going to be. No, it didn't at all. Um, because it wasn't a very deep card anyway. A lot of young, kind of younger guys on this card that are probably going to be bigger names within the next year or so. But you looked at those last two fights and you're like, you're if these down. live up to it, it oh, could be man. very good. But then you think about both of these guys at short notice Yep. And, and then just the stipulations, both of them going up in weight. Kamara Usman going from 170 to 185. I, Volkanovski going 145 to 155 with no training camp. So it makes yeah. sense that it didn't all work out, but what could have been? Kamaru, if he just didn't get bullied in the first round, I think would have had a chance to win that fight. But the judges got so swayed by that first round domination yeah. that the the next two rounds just didn't mean that much for for Usman. He, uh, he fought though. He clearly outstruck. He was better on the feet than Hamzat. Yeah, but Hamzat just controlled him in that first round. The I think arguably, round. if he just didn't get his ass kicked in the first round, <laughs> yeah. he probably would have won that fight. Yeah. Uh, what is it? 29-28? Yeah. Yeah. Do you but think we but see because he just. I mean, if you just go, I know that UFC judges can get swayed by certain things and i think they did get swayed by that first round but if you just look at like the fight stats they usually say no we go round by round we don't look yeah. at the fight stats fight stats hamzat if you just saw the fight stats didn't know how the rounds went hamzat beat the hell out of him. yeah but that's not exactly how the fight went no not at all but i could see if you were a judge maybe the thought process of the first round and how much damage that Hamzad did getting him on the ground, controlling him. I could see that swaying your final decision. Yeah. Do you think we see Kamaru stay at 185? Mm. He looked he, good. I think he could do whatever he wants. He's yeah. big enough to fight at 185, and clearly he's one of the best welterweights of all time. So I don't think he's, I don't think he's out of his element at 185. I think he would still be extremely competitive. I mean, Hamzad's a guy that beat Gilbert Burns. Is in line for the championship. Obviously, fight. obviously at different way. I mean, I know that was at 170. Also, Hamzat really doesn't have much of a resume at 185 either, so it makes it kind of hard to compare. But yeah, Hamzat's gonna go fight Sean Strickland, and we'll see what that looks yeah. like. Uh, as long as yeah, I think he broke his hand, so we'll see what that does on the timeline for everything. But yeah, Kamaru looked. He's big enough. I mean, he's, yeah. he, I think he walks around like 210, so uh, he's not and small. Volk just. Uh, I mean, it's just. You get caught, you get caught in yeah. the first round. Yeah, and was, I, I think Islam made some adjustments from the first fight. And he had something to prove. Yeah. And he just knocked his ass out. I mean, you can't really. It's a fight game, man. Yeah. I, think I didn't. I did not expect a first round KO though, because Volk no. is usually so damn good. It's the first time he's ever been knocked out. He's usually so damn good he about been... just keeping himself in a good position, but he left himself a little bit exposed on the left or the right his side right of his head. head. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and honestly, the kick, it's like, it's like his hand, it, of an correct opening. me if his hand was like right here and the kick went right over top, basically on his damn, you know. Split his whole eyebrow the, the, wide open. The top of his head, but he, he, it landed flush. It, it, yeah, <laughs> I'll say yeah that it much. landed flush for sure. I think the, the real story of that whole night, especially after the Makachev and Volkanovsky fight, 
was Alexander Volkanovsky's post-fight statements. Yeah. Did y'all? Yeah, I did. I watched it earlier today. What uh, did you think about all that? It was really strange. Uh, Gabe, I didn't I, get I to catch know, it, so I don't know if you're you gonna heard have to it, catch me but, up. Uh, they were talking. He just had a newborn baby relatively right. recently, and they they were asking him like you know about the decision to jump in late on this fight and talked about you know kind of feeling like it could have been his only opportunity to get back in there and that he was he didn't come out and say it but he was almost talking like he is just in was dealing with heavy depression since the fight with Yair Rodriguez without fight since since he's fought uh, like, I like, mean I hope I hope that's not the case like he he was crying on the stage yeah he was crying he was emotional I don't know if you noticed it Kenny but he was like moving and yeah. very like rocking the whole time like very uncomfortable looking i don't know it's very usually alex is also, so also usually we uh we don't take into consideration he might have been heavily concussed <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean we don't take into consideration post-fight pressers yeah. right when a dude gets knocked out by head kick yeah he may be he may be a little bit uh, right a little bit affected but no it was it was strange because usually he's so like yes focused because usually he wins yeah oh, yeah that too. that's true yeah but yeah it, it was very clear that he's dealing with some stuff and right. like even said like as soon as i jumped back into that fight camp maybe the only reason i jumped back into that fight camp was to kind of get away from everything else and yeah. he was like as soon as i got back in the fight camp for the 11 days like i was way happier my wife was way happier and that's why he was like i want to fight Taporia in january Let's go. It was yeah. strange, man. Very it was strange. Weird. It very was a very weird. strange story arc. I don't like to see that because he is he's one of my favorite personalities in the Me dudes. too. Big Alexander Volkanovsky. In, uh, in the UFC. All right, Kenny. All right, topic number three. Man, listen. I'm not a thief. <laughs> okay. But I've been accused of stealing signs, like stop signs and and road signs when I was in high school. Oh, yes. I, you, you ever you I've, I've I, but we yeah no, you ever been accused of sign before. stealing before have you ever been accused of sign stealing before Steal, yeah stealing like road signs yeah, I've, I did, I've, I've done I've done that I've I did that in high school I've foretaken did you ever uh, steal any opposing coaches signs no no sure didn't Jim Harbaugh has been accused of it um, I will not say Jim that uh, within with Mich- not University with Michigan, of Michigan, with Michigan, Jim Harbaugh has been accused. Of <laughs> Connor Stallions in particular. <laughs> what He's a an great analyst. name! What a great name, by the way, um, Connor Stallions. No, but I, I, when it comes to sign stealing, I do want to make clear: you don't necessarily have to steal signs to get a beat on what they're doing, right? Necessarily, because you may just see it on film. Right, it's true. If they're signed for, you know. Uh, outside zone is this, and you see, and you and you see, see that them go sign, this, and you see them run outside, <laughs> outside zone. zone You're guys. like, hey, every two time plus they do two, this, two plus two, it's says. outside zone. So, right. I guess in that regard, at just about every level I've played football, yeah, signs have been stolen. But if it is what they're talking about at Michigan, maybe it's a bridge too far. And I think it comes down to this: Connor Stallions guy analyst goes on the road to games against opponents they're going to play in the Big Ten and watches them and he'll buy tickets. Eleven. He bought he bought he bought he's bought thirty tickets in three years. Oh, I thought it was eleven. My bad. Thirty. Thirty. What's his salary like at Michigan? Fifty five K. You think you you think he's paying for this? Yeah, of course. Um, Okay. So for Connor Stallions, he might, he's probably cooked because they found it and it's like attached to his name. He's can I say this? this always bothers me. This follow this falls in the dumb criminal category to me. Don't buy the damn tickets on your own credit card. No. They check those things when they do investigations, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's not that hard to figure out. Um, so that is dumb criminal to me. Must uh, be another Connor Stallion. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, this is all illegal. The in-person scouting is illegal because of a 1994 money-saving case, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like it was a money-saving rule made by the NCAA saying you can't do in-person scouting. It is technically against the rules. They'll probably get punished for it. I don't know if they can tie it to Jim Harbaugh ultimately, even yep. though in theory to us sitting here, it's like, yeah, Jim yeah, Harbaugh Jim definitely Harbaugh. told him to do it, but yeah. can they tie it to him? I'm skeptical because he can probably – these guys tend to cover their tracks when they're in those high-arching positions. <laughs> yeah, the University of Michigan has a lot of money, um, and they like having Jim yes, Harbaugh as their head coach. Yes, and they know that the NFL is trying to – we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, but the rule to me – it was done for money saving because lower FBS schools didn't want to pay to send guys out Competitive there. advantage. Competitive, yeah. They wanted to even the playing field, even though the playing field's never been even. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't personally 
think that in-person scouting on the road is that big a deal. And if you happen to see signs while you're there, I don't find that that big of a deal. If you're like have a full camera on the guy who's doing signs, maybe, and they are being accused of like an iPhone camera, at least one game, that's a little much. Um, but usually the signs are visible on film. Usually the signs are visible on the TV copy. Yeah. And in-person scouting, it's done at the NFL level. It's done at the high school level. Hell, I remember in middle school, we would stay late. To watch the team the we were going to play the next yeah. week. I did that for my daughter's for, 11-year-old rec- volleyball game the other day. No yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's <laughs> just... It's, I, that rule, in my opinion, they placed it in there, and I don't know if the spirit of the rule I agree with. Right. I think every damn FBS football program could afford to send someone out to do to, to in-person scouting. Now, is it against the rules? Did Michigan clearly break the rules? Technically. Yes, but, like... I don't know. In, in-person scouting to me is just not that big of a deal. I'm with you. I think it, if they had, like, found this guy sneaking into practices and... Vi- like, they, spy, they, like Spygate to right. me with the Patriots, which they didn't even get docked that much for, no. let's be honest. That's way worse to me. Way Going worse. to practice and having practice film on somebody, yeah. that's ridiculous. That's Stealing it, you completely know. Completely different. Not completely cool. Completely different. So this, yes, like you said, it's technically. It's a public game. Right. It's you, Anyone could go to the damn thing. It's technically against the rules, but it's it's like It's why? like a lot of other things in the NCAA where right. over the it years, just it's like, oh, that's sense. against the rules. That's stupid. Yeah. Oh, they put cheese cheese on a ham, uh, cheese on a mm. hamburger. Oh, mm. that. If it was just a hamburger, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. You put the cheese on it, though. Nope. It's. It, I find it a little arbitrary and stupid. So but, Michigan, did, but did they? But did they break the rules? Yes. yes. Is Michigan getting a book thrown at them, or what's going to happen? I with feel this? as if there's kind of a. Uh, <laughs> how do I put this lightly without trying to act like I'm protecting Jim Harbaugh? I feel like the NCAA has been trying to come after Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. They, like at the beginning of the year with all the recruiting violations, the COVID nineteen violations that weren't that heavy. Feels like the NCAA has made their effort to try to go after Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. So I don't know if this will rise to them being able to throw the book at them, though. I don't like. I don't. I just don't think it. I just don't think it's severe enough. Truthfully, we'll see how severe it is. I think that if you're stealing signs, it's fine. Like if you figure out signs just by watching or like on film, and you bring that to game day, cool. If you had some, like, electronic device to tell your middle linebacker, oh, they're running stretch here because I saw their sign, that's too much. Yes. Yeah, in but, the middle of a game. But there's no proof of that. All so, right. and I think by the, like, sign stealing in college football is not illegal. All right. It's just about the electronics being used and how you're stealing the sign. Right, in person. Because if you're in person at the game, it is what it is. Now, did you also hear that Connor Stallions bought a ticket on one side or both sides of the field for the Ohio State Penn State game this weekend, he did not attend because he's suspended by the school with yeah. pay. Um, but that game was man, James Franklin never gonna win a big game. Never, never. gonna beat the Ohio State and Michigan when it matters. Nope, not gonna do it. Other no. than the 2019 Cotton Bowl, yeah, I mean that wasn't. He's never beat a top ten opponent. <laughs> he knew, he knew what you meant. He knew what you meant. But no, like I, I that game, that's kind of front. Everybody thought Penn State was gonna be able to handle themselves but i just knew going to columbus having to deal with ohio state they're not gonna get over top and they didn't score a touchdown until what 29 seconds left on the clock yep and ohio state what it felt like to me two good defenses but offensively both leave a lot to be desired but i felt as if ohio state has that marvin harrison jr kid and penn state didn't have an answer yeah they didn't have the same type of talent on their side right and that that's what it came down to is Ohio State. 11 had, catches, 162 yards right. and a tug. Yeah, no, they had Marvin Harrison and Penn State didn't. You yep. flip them, Penn State probably wins. Yes, exactly. Like, that's how that's how good of a player Marvin yep. Harrison Jr. is. Um, anything else in the no. college football world? What else? What caught you? Anything? Um, Washington, un- sta- Washington struggling, struggle win against Arizona Washington State. Washington struggled against Arizona State, Pac-12 after dark. Um, Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. Alabama. I, I knew Alabama was going to win that game. From Yeah. not not I mean, it was 20-7, to 7, but I always it's, thought Alabama was going to handle that at home. Yeah. And Second then, half, though, that was pretty bad on Tennessee's behalf. Yeah, getting blanked. Um, and then North Carolina losing to one of the worst Yeesh. teams in college football. That's kind of Mac Brown- at North Carolina and his MO. Yeah. Maybe not Virginia because they're terrible. Terrible. But 
a team that they should beat. They were 24-point favorites. Yeah. And they lost by four. Yeah. That's really bad. It's not good. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's, we'll, we'll just hit those notes yeah, and get out of that? here. That's couple of I notes. I think that's fair. Uh, appreciate you guys for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, comment there. If you are listening to us, you can subscribe there as well. You can leave a comment, leave a review, and we will appreciate that for sure. But with that being Christian, said, real quick, oh, oh, oh. did oh, you whoa, know? Whoa! Did you know? Whoa! That eighty nine percent of the people mm-hmm. that watch our content on YouTube mm-hmm. are not subscribed. I did. I did know. Eighty nine percent. So hit it again. Tell them to subscribe. Subscribe. The it's other easy. The eleven percent of you. Good for you. We thank, thank you. you. The eighty nine percent of you. Come on. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> Subscribe. It's It literally takes less than a second. Click the button. Uh, but we appreciate you guys for joining us. Thank you for joining us for episode 50. For Gabe Coon, Kenny Stubblefield, I'm Christian Fowler. We will see you back here next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.